Welcome to another Kingdom Community Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. During the week, I was asking the Lord what He wanted me to bring as a word today. And uh, an unusual title, I guess, um, came out of that conversation and that search, and that is let the dirt do its work. I want you to imagine for a moment, of course, that uh, when a farmer sows his seed, he puts the seed in the dirt. And uh, there's, a, there's a great scripture that relates to that in Mark chapter 4, where Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And you always know when Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like, that he's going to release like a gold nugget. And if you get it, it's like going to go, wow, that's going to transform your life if you really understand it. And so here's a gold nugget for us. This is what the kingdom of God is like, Mark 4.26. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or he gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself. The soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, and the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. Now we all like a harvest. We all like to get the crop. We all like to, you know, if it's corn, we like to get the corn and get it into the pot, have a good feed. We like it when the grain comes in. All the farmers love it when the when, when a good crop comes in, because that's what they're looking for, isn't it? Because that's how they make a living. And, of course, we get the byproduct of that. We get a, a good crop. When, you know, when you have you know, an orange tree in your yard or, or, or you have a lemon tree, although lemons are you know, not necessarily my most favorite fruit, but they're very helpful at times, particularly when cooking. Um, but whatever you have, if you've got a tree in your yard or you've got, you know, you're out on the farm and you're looking for the, f- when, when, it, when it's time, you know, like yesterday, Sheck and I, we were looking at some houses because um, we're scouting around believing God for a miracle that we can buy a house. We're gonna, we want to settle in the region, eh? Then we'll make this our home long term. And so we're looking around for a house, and we found this place, and it had a big tree in the backyard, and I think it was a mandarin tree, and uh, sort of, you know how they, they get so nice and ripe, they're just falling off, and you go to pick it, and it's, ooh, that's, that's nice. You know, and you, you get the fruit, and you love it, don't you? But you know, the interesting thing about the whole process is that from the moment you put the seed in the ground to the moment you get the fruit or the produce, there's a period of time that takes place. And from that moment in time, there's not a lot the farmer can do. Like, you can prepare the ground, you can do all the preparation work, put the seed in, and then you're kind of relying on the weather, you're relying on the sun, you're relying on the right amount of sun, the right amount of shade, the right amount of water, the right amount of nutrients in the ground. And modern farmers, of course, they might have sprinkler systems, they might have ways of helping the process, you know, artificial rain as it were, but in reality you go back into Jesus' time and they didn't have a whole lot of those options around. I mean, obviously they could water a plant at the house, but if a farmer was out in the field and he planted his seed, he had to wait and rely on whatever took place in the natural realm. 
And, you know, we see stories and we see droughts and we see all sorts of things. We, you go, I had um, one of our members from our Western campus, Danielle, she and her family went camping last weekend. Now, who remembers that last weekend was very rainy? Yeah? Well, they said, don't worry. I said, you going camping in the rain? Where we're going, it's not raining. She figured that if she just went west, found a campground out west, it's not going to rain. And if it did rain, it would be a blessing. So they just bring the rain with them. But there's no way it's going to rain because it hasn't rained out there for over a year. So that's where they went. And you see all these pictures, it's dry as a bone. There's a little bit of grass where they were in their campsite, but that was about it. So when you're out in the areas where there's not a whole lot going on, you're completely reliant on the circumstances, aren't you? You put the seed in the ground, and then you wait. And a lot of the time... Did anyone do this when you were a kid? Maybe you still do it now, I don't know. Um, you know, you, you get those little pots and you, you like to do a little bit of your own horticultural at home, you know. And you get the seeds and you put them, put it, put it down, stick it in the corner. Like you might put a little bit of water on it, but not too much, you know. A little bit of nutrients, but not too much. You don't want to overfeed the thing. But then every day, you're, you know what I'm saying? You know, every day you're like, no. Next day, you get up in the morning, nothing. Next day, nothing. And then when finally you get this little green shoot, you know, and you're sort of like, you know, you're so excited. You ever ever had that moment? Uh, Always, yeah, sex sex hasn't stopped being a child when it comes to horticultural things. She's so kind of cute about that. It's really cool. But you see, when you see something begin to pop out through the soil, you go, oh, life. You start to see life. And then it's like suddenly you realize there's something going on. But how many people know that there was always something going on, even when you couldn't see it? You know, a lot of the time in our life, in the journey that we're on, we don't actually see what's going on a lot of the time. In the Pentecostal church, which is what we're a part of, um, A lot of people go after signs and wonders and they go after the shakings and they go after the encounters with God and they love to get a fresh touch from God and they love the the goosebumps and and the good vibes and the good feels that you get from an encounter with God. But let me tell you something. That's at surface. That's what's going on on the surface. It's what goes on in here that actually makes a difference. Now, when God touches us, and we get all the goosebumps and we have an exciting encounter with God. It's like seed that goes into the soil. Or at least it lands somewhere. But it's what happens with that seed that makes a big difference. And a lot of the time, you know, as if you were read a little bit earlier in Mark chapter 4, the first part of Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells another story about seed and the sower. And he says the sower went out to sow seed. And if you know the story, this particular sower, Jesus said he sowed, just threw the seed out. And some of it landed on the wayside and some of it landed on the hard ground. And some of it landed in amongst the the thorns and the weeds and other seed landed in the good soil. And so there's this story that he tells about four different kinds of ground where the seed can land And 
the one that's on the wayside, the birds just come and pick it up. The one that's on the hard ground, it kind of, it starts, but nothing really digs down because it's too hard, the roots can't go in. And the ones that's amongst the thorns, it sort of grows up, but then the thorns and the weeds choke it. And then the ones that's on the good soil, it comes up and it's like fresh and it's alive and it brings the fruit. And that's the one we all gravitate towards. And that's the one we want, yeah? But here Jesus is saying that when the seed goes into the ground, and here he's talking about the good soil, of course, goes into the ground, it gets buried, and the farmer doesn't know what's going on. But all by itself, it says here, all by itself, the soil produces grain. All by itself. In other words, nothing to do with the farmer. Once the seed's in, you just trust. And I get to feeling sometimes that we don't always trust the process that God's got with us. We want the the goosebumps. We want the the good vibes of Jesus. We want to come into church and we want someone to prophesy over us. We want someone to, you know, we want to get slain in the spirit. In the churches where I grew up, that, that didn't even exist. You know, there was no, I mean, the Holy Spirit probably didn't even turn up. He was probably like, hmm, I'll go to the church down the road. <laughs> you know, you guys can have your, no, I'm not going to go there. Because actually, to be honest, I, I, I grew up just loving the Lord in my conservative church. And uh, I was very profoundly touched by the Lord on many occasions. I just think he was res- restricted of what he could do in that environment because there was unbelief. But I've come to a place now where I have a lot more belief than I did back then. But I've realized something. I can chase the vibes, I can chase the good times, I can chase the holy rolling, I can chase the, the goosebumps and the shakes and all that sort of stuff. But unless it goes down in here and does something, it's of no value. Because if I turn around and walk away from it all because somebody hurt me or somebody, you know, something didn't go right or... I don't understand the Bible, I don't understand the preacher, I didn't like the worship song, or whatever it might be, then something hasn't landed in here, and it's just all about the experience. And I don't want that. And the thing is, when we see each other, we often look on the outside as well. And what we see on the outside, we judge, because that's the way we've kind of been created to, well... Society <laughs> has created us to be a fairly judgmental culture. And I don't mean that necessarily always in a bad way. I mean, you can judge a person to be really nice, just based on their appearance, perhaps, or the way they smile. Or, you know, there can be a whole bunch of reasons why we might judge a person and how we judge a person, what conclusions we come to based on what we're seeing. And I've found that if I get into that trap where I judge based on what I can see, I'm, I might be missing what God is actually doing. Just like the farmer who can't see what's happening underneath that soil, I can miss what God is doing by assuming 
where you're at. And the same with you for me. A um, couple of funny stories. Well, kind of funny. Um, so I was in a place called Lesotho in South Africa a number of years ago. It's a, it's, it's a nation within the nation of South Africa. It's right up in the mountains. And I was doing some preaching. And uh, we were going after healing in this particular meeting. And I was preaching like my heart out. And I had this African um, interpreter with me. And so, and he was really going for it. You know how the Africans, so fun, you're here. Ah, Africa, come on, brother. I can just see you doing the moves. <laughs> you know? All right, so my African, my, my African brother was going for it with the, with the interpretation. I thought, I've got to keep up. You know, so I was getting real animated, you know. And at one stage, he looked at me as if to go, dude, you're outdoing me. What? <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa. But every now and then, I'd get a glance, and there was a lady sitting right up the back and just giving me the stares. Like, I'm like, trying to avoid her, you know. And I'm preaching over here, and then I'd be swinging back over, and I'd go, oh, gosh. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever had it where someone's just staring you down, and you get real unnerved, like unnerved, and you're like, this is kind of weird. You know, and I'm trying to go for it. I'm trying to preach the best I can. I was getting unnerved by this lady. And I was thinking, what on earth is going on? Maybe she's a witch or something. She's like trying to put a curse on me or something like that, you know. And I'm like, I'm, you have no idea the thoughts that go through your mind even when you're preaching. I'm telling you now, you know, you get all these thoughts going. So I'm like doing all this. And then at the end, I give a call for people to come for prayer. And she's the first one down the front. And I'm thinking to myself, uh-oh. She's coming to put it. She's got a wand somewhere. She's going to poke me with a stick. She's got a knife underneath the thing. She's going to up under me. She's thinking this white fella in my country, you know. And I really thought there's something weird about this lady. She comes up. The moment she gets in front of me, I realize what, what I've been missing the whole time. She's blind. <laughs> but she didn't have her dark glasses on, see. So she's like, her eyes are just open because, you know, if you're blind, it doesn't matter whether they're open or closed, it's all dark, see? She's got these cataracts across the top of her eyes and, and it kind of looked like a weird stare because it's kind of like white, you know? You know, and she's... So she comes forward for prayer for healing. I'm like, I started getting a bit embarrassed then, you know? So I whack out the oil, you know, in Jesus' name, <laughs> and uh, and within, I actually spent a bit more time on her than I normally would have. <laughs> but the reality was that she got healed that day and her eyes opened. So praise the Lord. Um, but it taught me something, right? <laughs> I really thought. I was judging by what I was seeing and I had no clue what was going on for this lady. And uh, sometimes that's what happens, isn't it? We judge what we see. We judge what we hear. Someone, you know, and um, they're not here tonight, but we've got a bunch of young guys who normally come and hang out with us, and Peter and I particularly have been sowing into their lives. And Just this week, there was some turmoil in the camp, if you like, and I was just really getting concerned for some of the guys, and I was just going, oh, I don't know what's going on. And then I thought, I thought, I literally thought, you know, a few of the guys would never come back. And... Um, and I felt like the Lord said, you have no idea what I'm actually doing. You, you, you're looking on the surface, 
but I'm actually still working on their lives, even though they're not coming to your meeting on Tuesday night and they're not turning up at church on Sunday. I'm still doing something. And even though it might look dark, it might look like it's the whole situation is gone pear-shaped as you would. It's actually that God is still working. And it's like that phrase that we were singing about earlier, what the, what the enemy intended for evil, God's going to turn around and make it good. And we've got to believe that, yeah? We've got to believe that even when things look like they're dark, even when things look like they're not going on, even when nothing seems to be happening, We've just got to believe that God is still at work and that he's still in control. See, the thing is, what I'm doing, what Peter's doing, and what Grant is doing with these young guys is we're sowing the seed in the soil. We've just got to trust God. Now, of course, part of our responsibility is to tend the soil, right? So we can prepare the soil to receive the seed. And even in our own lives, you know, sometimes the seed that God releases into our life, even for some of us who've been Christians for more than 40 or 50 years, we can miss it. And even then the birds can still come and take it away. And like there's, we've all got like little birds flitting around our lives. Just come and pick the seed. It might be television. <laughs> might be Facebook for some of the technical-minded people. It might actually be disappointment. It might be frustration. It might be um, focus on our work. It might be focus on our family. Our attention is somewhere else. And it's like little birds coming and stealing the seed. So the Lord sows something good into our life, gives us an encounter, gives us a good word from a sermon that we get on Sunday or maybe we've, we've listened to it, you know, maybe we've got a, a CD that we used to listen to and we, you know, we hear it and we just let the word soak into our spirit or we've read a good, good portion of scripture and, and the word has just come alive in us. But then we get distracted you know, we're going really well, but then something happens. You ever had something happen that distracted you, that sort of got you off track? And you thought to yourself later on, oh, I started out going this direction, and I ended up going this direction. What's that all about? And sometimes I think it's because we're, we're wanting the fruit, but we're not willing to wait for the seed to come to full, full bloom and to release the harvest in the right time. In other words, the process of getting where we've got to go isn't always to our liking, is it? And sometimes we get a bit frustrated with that. And sometimes we pull up root and we leave. It's like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with this church. <laughs> I'm done with this relationship. I'm done with this job. I'm done with this, you know, whatever it might be, this process. Some people even do that with their own lives. 
pull the pin, so to speak, before God's got a chance to... You know, you get a calling on your life and you get, start going towards it. The enemy will do everything he can to shut that down and stop you from getting where you've got to go. And on the way, there'll be all these peculiar things that happen that you think, no, it's never going to happen. It's never going to be. I'm never going to be that person. I'm never going to be what that prophet said I would be. I'm never going to be what I, I thought I heard God say to me that day when I was in my quiet time. And the truth is that God's still at work even when there's not a lot of action supposedly on the surface. We've got to trust the process. We've got to let the dirt do its work, yeah? We've got to let the dirt do its work. The kingdom of God is what Jesus said, is like this. So if you imagine that the kingdom of God is like putting the seed in the soil and then waiting for it to grow. Maybe the seed is the word of God, the truth, the living word of God. You know, the one John chapter 1, word of God, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It's the living word. See, the word is truth. You put truth in your spirit, into your circumstances. You know that when things are going bad, if truth came into that circumstance, into your mind, you might actually be able to rise up out of that circumstance. You know when you start to, I don't know, maybe none of you have ever felt this before, but for those who have ever felt a little bit depressed, a little bit blue, things weren't going so good, you know, the thought processes that take place. And they're very destructive, aren't they? They can get so destructive that you can't focus on what you're supposed to be doing anymore because they take over. It's like a whole bunch of thoughts just take over your mind and take you somewhere else. And you know you're supposed to be over there, but you end up over here and you don't know why. And you get frustrated by that, let alone the fact that you have no idea how to get back over here again. Well, imagine that you've soaked yourself in the Word of God so much that when that starts to happen, the Word, the truth starts to rise up. Hang on a sec. I'm not worthless. No, the Word of God actually says, I am not the, I'm the head and not the tail. Yeah? The Word of God tells us that we are sons of the living God, co-heirs with Christ who is the firstborn among many. We are of the many who are born again into the image of Christ. Jesus has given us an opportunity to walk like he did on the earth. He said, if you believe, you will do the things that I have been doing and greater things will you do. See, these are truths. And then there's the promises of God, which is also his word. And so when the promises of God start to rise up in your spirit, then you can start making declarations over your circumstances. Say, no, the Lord says, this is the word of the Lord, and that's where your fridge should be full. 
of the promises of God so that every time you go past, you just, oh, that's a good one. I'm just going to declare that one today. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to declare that one over my circumstances today. And hope begins to rise. And love begins to manifest. You know what? Self-love is the hardest thing to manifest sometimes, isn't it? But Jesus said, you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if self-love is really hard to do, then how are we going to love our neighbor? So there's the enemy's trick right there, isn't it? Just get us into self-hatred. I don't like my life. I hate my life. I hate where I'm going. I hate who I am. I hate everything about who I am. And it's like the seed is in the ground, but it hasn't popped up and we haven't, we're not seeing the green shoots right now. There's nothing to encourage us. And that's where faith comes in. That is where faith has to kick in. Where we go, you know what? God started something. I just got to believe it. His word doesn't lie. It's true. If we're going to put the seed in the good soil, we've got to have good soil. And the good soil is a, is a, a heart that is after God. The heart that is ready, a heart that is surrendered, the heart that says, okay, God, I'm willing. You know what the, the beautiful thing about all of this is? We don't have to know how. We don't have to know how. Oh, doesn't that take the pressure off? All by itself, the soil produced a crop of grain, all by itself. The farmer, it says, Jesus said the farmer didn't even know how. He just put the seed in the soil and all by itself it sprung up. He goes, I don't know how that happened. Maybe he wasn't a biologist or a horticulturalist or something. You know? He just knew that if he put the seed in the ground and the sun came and the water came and the rains came at the right time, he did it at the right time in the right soil, the right environment, up you come and eventually we're going to have a harvest. That's all the, that, that's all the farmer needs to know. And Sometimes we get so complicated, don't we? We want to know how. If you're a parent, how many parents got a, a book before you had the first child? This is how you raise your child. This is the perfect way. It will never fail. You did not. Liar. No one ever had a book like that because it doesn't exist. Some people try and write it. It's a load of... It's not true at all. Yes. There are many claims... There are many claims, but none of them, there isn't, because you know what? Every child is different. I've got five kids. Not one of them are the same, and not one of them are just like me either. So all the lessons I learned when I was a kid doesn't help with them either, because I'm different. They're different. At the same age, I was doing different things. They're, doing, they're in different environments. I never had, there was no such thing as the internet or computers or anything like that when I was a kid. It didn't exist. If they did, it was the size of this room. <laughs> I think when I was in high school, they had just brought out the Commodore 64 or something like that. Yeah, that's right. Computer class, it was a whiz. Do you remember, do you remember the, you know, like, have, oh no. Some of the older ones might remember having to learn MS-DOS. It's like, 
what on earth is that? Still don't know. It's just a black screen with white writing and a little... I'm like, whatever, move on. I'll let my brother do that. He's the wizard, that sort of stuff. I went and played sport. The I don't know how is okay. I don't know how to raise my kids. I don't know how to forgive someone, really. I mean, how many people really, really, really know how to forgive someone? you just got to say the words, don't you? But so oftentimes, we just don't want to. Someone's hurt us. It's like, ah. You know what we have to have? We have to have the love of God in order to do that stuff. It's not our strength that makes us do that. I'm not grandiose. I can't forgive people. But with his strength and his power and his love, I can. But I just don't know how to do it because when I don't really ever want to be around a person ever again and I've made that decision in my mind then the Holy Spirit lands on me and suddenly I'm forgiving someone and I'm like, oh, how'd that happen? I have no idea how that happened. You know? But God did it. I feel so much better now because while I was in unforgiveness, things weren't going so good for me. I don't know how to be spiritual. I see all these other people who are being spiritual and I think, wow, you know. <clears throat> I had Mark Hemans here last week and uh, I was watching how he ministers. I wouldn't do a whole bunch of stuff that he did. He does. Um, I probably got a <clears throat> bit more of a pastoral approach to things. But I watched and Catherine and I were talking about it just before the service, watching how he was so focused on the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's doing. I'm looking at that and I'm going, I don't even know how to do that. I don't see in the spirit like he does. He just looks at someone, it's like he's scanning him, you know. Oh, you got a demon? Well, get that ring out, you know. Oh, you got some angels around you, you know. Uh, you need help. Go and get help. What? I wasn't picking on you, Jeff. <laughs> The I don't know how to is actually a pretty good place to be, to be honest. Because that's when we can lean into God. Say, God, you know how. All I've got to do is be good soil. So if I get hard-hearted, then the seed lands and the birds come. If I get focused on the world, the seed lands and the birds come. Gone. If I... If I hang around with the wrong people and get my head in the wrong things and start reading the wrong material or whatever, watching too much weird stuff on the internet, and the birds will come and chokes whatever God's trying to do. But all I've got to do, in all honesty, is to stay submitted to God and trust that his word is true and his kingdom life comes inside of me and starts to produce all by itself. I don't have to conjure it up. You know what happens when we try, conjure things up, when we try and make it happen on our own strength? We end up in error. You know, if we were to watch Mark and say, I want to heal the sick like he does, we could try and do it in our own strength and we might end up being productive at a certain level 
the reality for me is that I want to be me. And whatever God does in me, I want it to spring up. And I want it to be the life force that he releases through me. And I want it to be the Holy Spirit doing it, not me doing it. For too long in my life, I've tried to be like somebody else, and it doesn't work. I can't make the seed grow. All I can do is be good soil. And I want to encourage you today. All God needs from you is your will. Your will to go after whatever he wants you to do. All God needs is your want to. I want to, God. I don't know how, but I want to. All God needs is your surrender. Okay, God, I surrender. I'm not going to try and do it in my own strength anymore. I'm going to let you do the work. All God needs is your obedience. That's good soil right there. I want to, God. I'm surrendered, and I'll do whatever you ask me to do. That's good soil. And I want to encourage you tonight. The greatest growth doesn't happen when the farmer puts the seed in the soil. The greatest growth happens when the dirt does its part. The greatest growth happens after the seed has gone into the soil. And even when we can't see it, even when it hasn't sprung up yet, even before the buds are out of that soil and sticking up and we're going, woohoo, something's happening, it's already happening. And I want to encourage you with this too. You've got friends, you've got family members. You've been praying for them. You've been sowing into their lives for years. You've been believing for them. Don't discard what God's doing just because you can't see it. Don't discount it. Don't pull up roots and leave. Don't say, oh, this didn't work. I'll move on to something else. I'll turn my attention somewhere else. I guarantee you that the moment you do that, you're pulling out what God has already started. I love Romans 8.28. I... Um, quoted it earlier during worship. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purposes. I want to finish with that thought. You know, we can't tell a book by its cover. We can see how awesome it is on the outside, but it might not be all that great on the inside. Or it might be a very plain cover. It might have something really good on the inside. But God is at work. Just like there's a whole bunch of words on the page and as we start to devour it, it comes alive in us. We look at the Bible and on the outside, most of it, it just looks like a black book. We start to unpack it and we go, oh, this is rich, this is good. God, he may have even spoken words over your life prophetically. He may have spoken to your heart as you've been spending time with him. I just want to encourage you, those words, if they're from the Lord, they're true words. And they will come to pass. Because all things will work together to bring it to pass, according to his word. And even when you can't see what's happening, it is happening. God's doing something, amen? Yeah? I want to invite you tonight. Um, 
There may be some people here who've been disappointed. Disappointed with themselves. Disappointed with God. Disappointed with their circumstances. Um, looking at their life, or not seeing much happening. Wondering, what on earth am I doing? What on earth is God doing? Maybe you think to yourself, I'm not good enough. Maybe you think you don't know enough. You haven't been trained enough. You're not equipped. You're not, you're not like all those other Christians. You're not, if, 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 if you can relate to any of that, I want to invite you, Jeff's going to put some um, soft music on in the background. I want to invite you just to spend a few moments before we go off and have some fellowship together. I want to invite you to come to the front. If, if you can relate to any of that, I want to invite you to just go, God, I'm, I'm looking for a fresh start. I know you've got something going on in my life. I can't see it right now. I can't see all of it. But I'm going to put my trust in you again. Maybe you want to stand in the gap for one of your family members. Maybe you want to give thanks to God for what he's doing in a family member's life rather than say, God, what on earth are you doing? Maybe you want to say sorry to God for having doubted that he's actually at work at all. Can we take some time before we go home tonight, before we go and fellowship together and just spend some time with the Lord? Oh, I want to invite you to the front because we're, just going, to, we're going to call this the altar. And I'm going to invite you to the altar. You might not be able to kneel. So if you can't kneel, why don't you just come and sit on the front row? Just come if you want to stand, you stand. If you want to kneel, kneel. But just come and do your business with the Lord. I'll come through in a little while and pray for anybody who's here to spend a moment with you and pray. Might anoint you with oil and just believe that God's going to do something fresh. And once, once you feel as though you've done your business with the Lord, then I'm going to invite you to head out to our hall out the back and uh, we're going to have some fellowship together. But uh, let's do some business with God first, yeah? You just take your time. If you need time, just take your time. Thanks for listening. This has been another Kingdom Community Church podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to www.kingdomcc.com.au.